You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Wednesday, the 16th of December, which means Christmas is now only nine days away, people, which means it might be too late to get your Christmas gifts delivered, but not too late to take whatever Amazon has delivered to your neighbor's stoop. Surprise, Grandma! I know how much you wanted this. A replacement door handle for a laundry machine? Yep, Merry Christmas. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Tom Cruise doesn't want your corona. Florida doesn't want Donald Trump. Plus, James Corden and Tessa Thompson are joining me on the show. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the British royal family a.k.a. England's 1,200-year genetics experiment. When Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the family business a year ago, many people wondered why they would leave an institution with such awesome wealth and prestige. But now, it looks like they've found something almost as good, podcasting. Britain's Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, are becoming podcasters. In an audio announcement, the couple said that they will host and produce podcasts for Spotify in conjunction with their company, Archwell Audio. Spotify says the couple's first podcast will be a holiday special this month, featuring stories of hope and compassion to celebrate the new year. The first complete series is expected next year. (laughs) Yo, guys, Meghan Markle has completely flipped the royal family on its head. Five years ago, they were like, Meghan Markle is now the Duchess of Sussex and must be addressed as such. Now they're like, Prince Harry is offering 20% off Casper mattresses with promo code BLUEBLOOD2020. But still, guys, podcasting? I mean, it's good to see that even though they've left the royal family, Harry and Meghan are carrying on the tradition of not having real jobs. Now, for real, I'm joking, man. No hate, no hate. I'm glad that Harry's living his best life now. And... It's gonna be so hilarious when he explains this to the queen. So what is it that you do exactly, Harry? What is it that you do exactly, grandma? Ah, touche. Let's move on now to a story out of Russia. You know, where even the dolls crawl inside of each other for warmth. You may remember that over the summer, one of Vladimir Putin's top critics, Alexei Navalny, was poisoned and nearly killed. Well now, Investigators working with CNN have tracked down the Russian agents they say carried out the crime. And not only that, a CNN reporter actually confronted one of them at home. Investigation by the group Bellingcat and CNN has uncovered evidence that Russia's security service, the FSB, formed an elite team specializing in nerve agents that followed and trailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny for years. So we're here now at the home of one of the FSB team, and we're going to go see if he has anything to say to us. We enter a rundown apartment building on the outskirts of Moscow, where operative Oleg Tayakin lives. Здравствуйте, Oleg Borisovich, да? Меня зовут Клариса Уорд. Я работаю в CNN. My name's Clarissa Ward. I work for CNN. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Можно вам спрашивать? Это это ваша команда отравила Навальный? Was it your team that poisoned Navalny, please? Do you have any comment? He doesn't seem to want to talk to us. Whew. This reporter is stone cold. I'm talking gangster stone cold. And not just because she's in a Russian winter with no hat or gloves. No, she tracked down a Russian assassin, people. Assassin! And she's talking to him like 
Some guy who got a coffee order mixed up. Sir, sir, if you won't answer me, is there another assassin I can speak to? I demand to speak to an assassin. Is there an assassin manager? This is the kind of reporting that CNN needs to do more of. I don't wanna see Chris Cuomo interviewing 10 people in a box. I wanna see Chris Cuomo breaking down Kim Jong-un's door. Yo, who gave you that dumbass haircut? Tell the people, who gave you that dumbass haircut? She was even roasting his apartment, you see that? I mean, she is right though, that apartment was trash. Spy movies have given me a totally wrong idea of how government assassins live. You know, James Bond wouldn't be seducing anybody if he lived in that apartment. No, Mr. Bond, I will not be giving you the secret codes. Your kitchen is a hot plate, bitch. Moving on to the coronavirus pandemic. It's the other reason you can't get into the club. Even though vaccines are starting to roll out, we can still save tens of thousands of lives by just wearing masks and social distancing until everyone has immunity. So please, Remind all your friends and coworkers about this. Although, there's reminding, and then there's whatever Tom Cruise did. Tom Cruise reportedly let his COVID concerns be heard loud and clear while filming the new Mission Impossible movie in England. In an audio obtained from the Sun tabloid, which has not been authenticated by ABC News, Cruise was reportedly furious with staffers for ignoring safety protocols. I don't ever want to see it again, ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. Work on the film had to be shut down in October when 12 staffers tested positive. Hoo-wee. Tom Cruise is pissed. Now, some people are saying that this is a bad look for Tom Cruise, but I disagree. Because yeah, he's mad, but it's for a good cause. You know, it's like getting recorded screaming, you guys are in big trouble if we don't get these toys to the children's hospital. I wanna see happy kids or you'll never work in this town again. You're angry, but for the right reason. But for real, if anything, this should teach people just how serious this corona shit is. Because remember, Tom Cruise is not scared of anything. This dude hangs off the side of a plane like it was any other Tuesday. He's even brave enough to put his dirty shoes on a black woman's couch. So the fact that even he's worried about COVID is a reminder that no one is immune from this virus. Well, almost no one. The pandemic will not stop Santa Claus. That's the word from the World Health Organization. WHO's top experts address concerns about Santa's health during a news briefing at their headquarters in Switzerland. They want children everywhere to know that Santa Claus is actually immune to coronavirus. Yeah. A number of world leaders have relaxed quarantine measures so Santa can enter their airspace and deliver gifts on Christmas Eve. Now that is great news. Santa Claus is immune from coronavirus and chlamydia. Oh, just, just Corona, not, oh, not chlamydia at all. Wow. Although I don't know if we should be celebrating this. I mean, maybe Santa is immune because he's patient zero. Think about it. This all started when? Last winter, right? Huh? Around the same time that Santa goes everywhere around the world. I see what you did, Santa Claus. You owe those bats an apology. Either way, I know this is nice for the kids, but... Isn't it risky for the World Health Organization to be saying this? Because adults are listening too. And they're not great at telling fact from fiction either. You can't be like, the coronavirus is very real and you need to take it seriously, but it doesn't affect Santa Claus. But I guess it is cute that the WHO went out of its way to ease kids' minds like this. I just wish that they didn't follow up by saying that the Easter bunnies got colon cancer. Oof. But let's move on to the other pandemic that seems impossible to get rid of. 
Donald J. Trump. He has just about one month left in his presidency. But in between Twitter meltdowns and golf games, Trump has been hard at work trying to secure his legacy. And today, he checked off one of the most important things on his presidential to-do list. The Department of Energy rolling back water flow restrictions on shower heads and other appliances. It comes after President Trump complained about low flow shower heads and toilets. And you go into the shower, right? You turn on the water, drip, drip, drip. I call the guy, is something wrong with this? No, sir, it's just the restrictor. Up until now, shower heads were not allowed to use more than two and a half gallons of water per minute. The revised policy says each nozzle can now use that amount. Environmental groups are calling on President-elect Joe Biden to go back to the old regulations once he takes office. Now that's what you need from a president. Yeah, the country's struggling and people are dying everywhere because of ineptitude, but at the end of the day, you can shower two minutes quicker because that soap comes right off. My man. Now, because this law was about conserving water, I wouldn't be shocked if Joe Biden reverses this Trump shower policy. And I don't know if I agree with it, but I think it would be funny if Joe Biden put the water restrictors back on while Trump is in the shower. That would be amazing. I said certified free, seven days a week. What, ah, what happened to the water? Where's the water? I can't be wet ass without the water. So now the only question is, where will Trump be enjoying all of his high pressure showers after January 20th? Because he's not gonna be in the White House. And uh, it turns out his neighbors at the Southern White House don't want him there either. Trump's neighbors in Florida are bracing for the possibility he just might spend his post White House days right there alongside them. Tonight, the Washington Post is reporting that some of the neighbors down in Mar-a-Lago want the city of Palm Beach to prevent Trump from settling down there. They argue he signed away his legal right to live there full-time back in the 90s when the resort was originally converted from a private residence to a private club. It's well known that back in 1993, Trump's lawyer testified before the town council saying that Trump would not be living on premises. So there's that. Okay, that is a low blow. Do you know how crushing it must be for Florida to reject you as a citizen. Look, we'll take the guy that kickboxes alligators, but that Donald Trump guy is too much. Although, Trump is gonna fight this, right? I mean, probably. I mean, who cares what his lawyer in 1993 said? I don't know who it was, but if he was Trump's lawyer, then by now, he's either serving a life sentence or he's devolved into a mutant man bat. But from the bottom of my heart, poor Trump, man. New York doesn't want him. Mar-a-Lago doesn't want him. The only places that would take him are states that he wants nothing to do with. I mean, if he actually tried to live in the heartland, he'd be on a flight to Saudi Arabia the next day. This is my kind of place. Everything is covered in gold and all the reporters are so polite. How do they enforce that? So great, so cool. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Desi Lydic will be spending Christmas with Fox News and we've got James Corden and Tessa Thompson still coming up on the show. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Throughout the quarantine, Desi Lydic has been checking in with her family over video chat. And we've learned that a lot of her family are Fox News hosts. Well, yesterday, Desi tried to bring them all together for a family Christmas party. Check it out. Hi, family. So nice to see you all. Good evening, everybody. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? We can hear you. 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you all for coming to the virtual holiday party. Good morning, Maria. Hi, Uncle Rudy. It, it's Desi, actually, and it's eight o'clock at night. But it's so nice to see you all, even if it is over Zoom. I know it's like half as much fun. I've heard other people say 70%, which a lot of uh, folks I know thought was high. Yeah. So how, how is everyone? Cousin Brian, how are you? Okay. Uh, how about everyone else? Hey, how was your December? Nearly a month after the election, thousands of votes remain uncounted. 1,500 votes from people who are dead? There are enough Ill illegal immigrants that voted that would change the course of the election. No, guys, I told you already, no politics at Christmas. Now let's get into the gifts. Santa sent your gifts already, so I, I want to know if you got them. Uncle Rudy, how do you like your new briefcase? I think it's a very good case. Wonderful. Cousin Laura, uh, I sent you something over email. Did you get it? I saw the gift card stuff. Yes, it's a gift card for an online liquor store. I love this. I see you're getting a head start. Well, it isn't a holiday party if Cousin Laura isn't hitting the peppermint schnapps. You raise a great point. Hey, what was that funny dance you did that one year? Uh, Joey, kangaroo. They don't want to yes, the kangaroo dance. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's we've replaced religion with some weird kind of witchcraft and it's, it's, it's worrisome. Jesus, Cousin Tucker, it's Christmas. Come off it for one day. Uh, did you even get me anything? He spent three years and found nothing. Okay, you know what, that's fine. I don't even care that no one got me a gift. All I care about is seeing my family. Oh, speaking of which, Aunt Janine is joining. For shame. Uncle Lou, I know you and Aunt Janine are separated, but can you please just try to get along for one day? It's Christmas. None have been successful so far. Will this one be different? We're also talking about family harassment. Stop, we have to give them a chance. All right, I'm gonna let her in. I'm sure she's in the Christmas spirit. Surprise, surprise. Why this is being tolerated is beyond me. Hey, don't give me this nonsense. Come on, you two, stop it, it's Christmas. Uh, Uncle Lou, why don't you try saying something nice to Aunt Janine? He has the power to do it. Why won't he do it? Okay, well then why don't you say something nice about Uncle Lou? We're not gonna do it. This just, this breaks my heart. I mean, how did it get this bad between you two? Explain your relationship to couples out there whose problems pale in comparison to yours. Okay, Aunt Janine, take a deep breath. Why don't you try just not talking for a minute? Yeah, I think that that would be a, a, a grand idea for every American. All right, Uncle Lou, don't you start. Do you think that she's onto something? This is ridiculous. Never-ending harassment. How exactly did that happen? I think we know. I have no idea. Of course we know. They've hated each other for 45 years, but this is Christmas Zoom, so you all need to shut up, okay? Because this is going to be magical. I mean, doesn't anyone know what Christmas Zoom is all about? This time of year is usually filled with Christmas parties, bustling restaurants, trips to visit loved ones. This happens all over the country. But of course, because of COVID, for most of us, nothing seems the same. And more Americans are on edge. Yes, Cousin Laura, she, she's right. We are on edge, you know, because we don't have each other. Just have this stupid virus. This virus, she said, came from a government lab in China. And you don't hear 
the quote experts talking about it enough. You know what? Forget it. I'm muting you all. Except for you, cousin Brian. I'm going to drink. Christmas. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great night. I hope it gets better. Ah, oh, you did your best, Desi. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to James Corden, and later on, Tessa Thompson is still joining us on the show. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with acclaimed actor and host of The Late Late Show, James Corden. We talked about what it's been like making his show during the pandemic and his new Netflix movie starring alongside Meryl Streep. James Corden, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like, I feel like I've been living in your apartment now for months. And I, I'm very, very happy to now just be invited in in this conversation. I'm very happy to be here. I also feel like you've been living here and you've been behind on rent for about eight months, James. That's what I feel like. <laughs> I don't know. I think your show would be far worse if I was behind the rent. <laughs> How's everything? Oh, man. This is... I feel like you're tricking me into an interview about me because you've got a desk and you've got a... I'm interviewing you, James Corden. But How I was enjoying the back and forth. No. How was your... Tell me about your life because I've... Can I tell you what I've loved? I've loved how you've created a semblance of normal with your show. I know in California, you know, you guys have, you can drive into a studio. It's a lot safer. I've seen how you guys have spaced things out and everything. But what I've really loved is how like you've created a semblance. What is it like there, like in the studio? Cause you don't have your audience. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've really changed the whole set around. So where I'm sat now right. is where the audience normally sit to watch the show. And, oh, okay. and then everybody sits over there. And, and I have to say, I've sort of, it's, I've, become so used to it, I, I've really enjoyed the whole sort of freedom of, of reimagining the show in a new way. You know, I've, I've really found it right. quite, uh, I, I found it quite freeing, actually. Just the, the, the notion of, now it feels like we're just a group of friends that people can check in with if they want to, you know? And that's I, quite a nice I'll, I'll way to do it. One thing I always loved about you is like your, your character performances. Like you, 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 you are a, I would call you like a theater nerd. Like you're a, you're a theater nerd. You love being on stage. You love being in character. For sure. And what I found is now your show feels like a mini theater performance in a way. You know, it, it feels like I'm watching a theater show of a late night show, which is the most fun thing I've ever seen. It's you. Sometimes like you'll be, you'll be shitting on your camera guys and then, like, <laughs> they'll say something back to you. It, it, do you think that you guys have developed more of a camaraderie during this time? Without question, without question. It, it really, really has brought everybody together. Oddly, you know, so many of us are still distant. I mean, I, I haven't seen almost all of our writers since kind of March, you know, in the flesh. Right, right. But there's been a real sense of, a, a great sense of, of gratitude in the, the I, I, I've always considered it a privilege to get to go to work every day and, and do a show. Like that's never been right, lost right, on right. me. But in this moment now, I think everybody feels like, well, look, we're, we're working and that puts us in the luckiest 5% of people. And yeah. if we can try yeah. and have yeah. fun while we're doing it, that would be great. But I've never felt such a great sense of camaraderie on the show, really, than in these past few months that we've been doing it. Because in a way, we've had to make our own fun. Like normally our show, we're out in the car singing with people or we're trying yes. to put on a musical yes. out on the crosswalk. And none of those things we can do at the moment. So really, it's, we've sort of thought, well, we, in this room, we'll try to have a good time. 
And if people would like to join us on it, that's great. But we'll be here anyway. You know, contractually, we're obliged to. So that's what we'll <laughs> do, you know? Your brand new film on Netflix, The Prom. Um, I, I had to pause it a few times because I was very uncomfortable because it's like all these people dancing and, and touching each other and speaking close. Like, it, it's very uh, non-coronavirus times. And I was just yes. like, this is, whew, I felt triggered. I, I felt <laughs> triggered many, many, many times I had to pause. Um, but, you, but you shot this movie and what I loved about the film was at first I was like, wait, uh, what's going on here? Cause this is Meryl Streep and this is James Corden, but like they're being very weird right now. And then I realized <laughs> that the whole play is, is a, it's, it's a really beautiful, almost satirical take on, like, on, on celebrities and on Broadway and on like people on the coast who think they're superior to people in the middle of America. And it's this fun story where you and Meryl Streep play these actors who are so used to being self-absorbed and in yourselves and succeeding. And then you hit failure head on for the first time. Tell me what it was like f- making this movie because you filmed it before coronavirus, and then you had to come back and finish it during coronavirus. Well, I'd actually shot all of my stuff before it shut down. The The film is a an adaptation of a show that was on on Broadway um, right, right. A, about two years ago, 18 months ago. Um, and I saw the show and it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a joyous sort of big, um, silly musical really that then becomes about something very, very real and it's a, I love those moments where it pokes fun at the uh, at sort of faux activism. You know, I, yes, I think those yes. bits are are really are really great fun. And Meryl Streep and I play two Broadway stars. Myself, a lesser Broadway star than her, who have who've devoted their entire lives to the theatre. Um, and it starts in this big sort of broad world of New York, and then and basically they hear a story about a girl in Indiana who has been told yes. she can't attend her prom because she's gay. And they think if we go down there and we get involved, we'll look so woke, people will think that we're good people and that will get us back on top again. And then right. it really becomes about, it's a, it's, a, it's a film about acceptance really. It's a film about the notion that love is love and all of our hearts beat the same, you know? And, and I'm, I'm very, very proud to be part of it. I, I really am. It was, it was a joy to make, and, uh, and I'm so thrilled so many people are enjoying it, you know? Well, I'll tell you this, man. It's fun seeing the two of you interact on screen. Uh, it's fun seeing people hold hands and kiss. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fun celebration of Broadway, which we all hope will come back, you know, seeing the, yeah. the, the explosion of celebrations. Um, and it was cool seeing you, you know, away from the desk. I hope to see more of you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Can I just tell you, I have to say this. I have to say this just so I, just because if I don't, I'll get in trouble. Uh, you're already aware of this, that my father is obsessed with you. And um, I haven't spoken to him in a week. And he called me today because he realized that I was on the show. And the only reason he called me was to send you his love. He had nothing else to say for me. Nothing else at all. Not how are the kids? Is everyone safe? <laughs> He said, please send Trevor. He said, please send Trevor my love. And I said, will do. And then he went, Trevor's doing the Grammys. And I said, I know. He went, he will be the best host of that show they could ever, they could ever find. And I said, Dad, you met Trevor in New York when I was hosting the Grammys. He said, I know. It was the highlight of the night. So if I don't pass on, if I don't pass on his love, I'll get another phone call. Uh, well, tell him I said hi, James. Always fun having him. Always fun. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, I miss him, man. I miss him. <laughs> Tell him I said hi for real. I will do. Bless you, Trevor. All right, cool. Thank you so much, James. Take care, buddy. See you real soon, mate. Don't forget, The Late Late Show airs weeknights on CBS and The Prom is available on Netflix right now. All right, stick around because when we come back, Tessa Thompson and I talk about her legendary face masks. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with actor Tessa Thompson. We talked about her new film, her awesome mask collection, and so much more. Tessa Thompson, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Trevor Noah. Um, let me start by congratulating you. You have the coolest face mask collection I have ever seen. You've got like crystals on some, you've got like, they've got bedazzles, they've got, how many face masks do you have? Um, I, I haven't counted. I have a growing collection and I started making them. I'll count to make it back to you, but I definitely have upwards of at least, I would say 25, easily 25. Cause I started making them. I like have been bedazzling N95s and yeah, I've perfected it. And my friend Gloria has made a bunch with me. You are as at home in major blockbusters, you know, like a Marvel franchise, whether it's Thor or Avengers, as you are in like the, the most intimate indie films, you know, Sorry to Bother You or, or, or any, anything that we've seen you in, it, it just feels like you're at home. I feel like your new film is, is no different. It's a, it's a departure from what we may see you in, but at the same time, it feels completely authentic to who you are. And before we get into the movie, I'd love to know how you pick these roles. I don't, a couple things. I feel like I look for something that scares me. Is there something I have to learn or do or communicate that I'm frightened or mildly terrified that I cannot? I feel like that's exciting, an exciting place of creation. And then I also think a lot about where have we not been? Where have we not seen uh, black people, people of color in certain spaces? Like how do we get us there? I think a lot about how have we not been seen in the past? Why don't we exist in the future enough? Um, and those, those kind of things compel me into different genre pockets. Because sometimes if you change just who the protagonist is, that changes the aperture in a way that can be really political and interesting. It really is. I mean, Sylvie's love is no different. Uh, when, when, I, when I first heard of the movie, I was like, okay, this is a movie that takes place in like the 1950s and it's probably going to be about civil rights. Because I mean, that's when the civil rights movement was, was taking shape. And, and it, was, it was a beautiful surprise because yes, it exists in that world, but it's a story of two people falling in love. It's love during one hot summer. And a part of it felt like, it, like, like you were attracted to the story because of the music. I know that you love music. I know that you love jazz music. Tell me how important the music is in this story. Huge, because uh, for me, it was basically a love letter to music. And Eugene Ash, there's all these fantastic songs that were written into the script. So when, I, when the script was sent to me, that's what I did. I immediately, anytime a song would come on, I'd, I'd press play on the song and I'd read the script through oh, wow. with, that, with that soundtrack. So it was really like an immersive sonic experience for me. And then, you know, not for nothing, my favorite love song of all time is Nancy Wilson's How Glad I Am. Nancy Wilson is like a big sort of touchstone in this film. Uh, so mu music is, is paramount for me. I use it in my work. I use it in my life. Like this whole quarantine has been a, just um, a lot of music. I will say what I really enjoyed in the film, one of the things I enjoyed was Namdi's character. You know, you've got this big human being 
who is the softest, most romantic, just gentle. It, it like the paradox of, of, of the character was something that I didn't expect. Why do you think he was the perfect person to partner with in, 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 in telling the story? In general, I think what's exciting about these characters and feels kind of modern about them is they're trying to upend their own ideas of, of, of gender. For example, Sylvia is this career woman who says to this man in you know, the 60s, why don't you let me be the breadwinner so you can follow right. your dreams, you know? And I think it's particularly compelling to me at a time where I think we are still trying to upend our ideas around gender and and be the fullest expression of ourselves and not feel boxed in by what society at large tells us we ought to be because of our gender presentation. So I found that really inspiring. And I think for Namdi, it's funny because he likes to think, he likes to pretend that it's just like, sublime acting which of course it is he spent a year learning how to play saxophone but i also think he is a bit of a softy and so <laughs> this role gave him the opportunity to access to access that and i i hope his nfl brothers take a cue what what, what i what i also appreciated in the movie was how your character and you really portrayed this well is how she she's pushing against a world that is constantly telling her that she cannot be and I felt like that's what Tessa Thompson does in, in real life. You know, you, you've been someone who's been really vocal about how Hollywood needs to change, how women need to be given opportunities to direct more films. First of all, yeah. do you think Hollywood is doing enough now that people are speaking up? And secondly, why do you think it's so important to have women at the helm of telling these stories? Um, something that I found really exciting about Sylvie's Love is inside of it, you see this young would-be producer who assumes that that's impossible for her and she is right. given an opportunity by another woman of color and I think certainly in my own trajectory I can trace every pivotal moment in my career to um, a person of color or a woman and in some cases both and I think that really points to the necessity that we need to be in those positions of power of hiring power and when we're there it can't be enough that we're there we have to make sure that that other folks can be in the room with us um, it's not enough to just be in proximity to power we have we also have to possess it and some of that has to do with making our own institutions and our you know our own places where we can flourish and I think that's something that I am seeing there's all of these friends of mine that are creating their own companies and doing it their own way and and really um thinking not just about opportunity but about ownership and that to me is the most exciting thing that i see happening inside of this industry um it will literally eventually change the face of hollywood but in terms of inclusion that's not something that happens by mistake which is why right. i advocate for things like the four percent challenge you have to make it a mandate i think at the studio level um and, you know, I, to me, that, that will be the real marker of change is when we can make those systemic changes that are, you know, written and actionable. Well, you're doing an amazing job. Um, I loved watching you in this film because, I don't know, it was just nice to see human beings loving each other during this time. Thank Isn't you. Isn't that nice? It is, right? It was just, it was just like a wonderful feeling. It really was. I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the feel and the vibe. It was great to watch a period piece like this. Where it's like, I've never seen anything like this, or it's been an extremely long time. So um, thank you very much for your art as always. And thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Take care, Tessa. You too. Don't forget. Sylvie's Love premieres December 23rd on Amazon Prime. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, this holiday season, please, I wanna remind you one more time, do not forget to support your local restaurants. 
They are struggling so hard to stay open during this pandemic. And if they don't get the help that they need, they might not be open for you when the pandemic is over. Now, you can buy food from them. And if you want to do more than just order food, then please consider a donation to the James Beard Foundation's Open For Good campaign, which is going to help independent restaurants to survive the pandemic and rebuild stronger after this is all over. Until next time, though, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, Santa is immune to COVID, so it's okay for mommy to kiss him. You don't need a snitch to daddy. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.